1: All right. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Ethan Miller. I've got Holly Richardson here and let's jump right to it. The state says it's doing a great job at uh, getting the vaccine out and they're pulling out all the stops. They're opening all the doors. Uh, And Holly, uh, I'll just just we've got some we've got some audio to play from the governor on CNN. But I just I just want to get your hold on. Let me mute this here. All right. I just want to I just want to get your quick take, Holly. What do you think? Is Utah on the ball with this? Are we doing a good job with the vaccine distribution?
3: Uh, I think we're getting better. I, I think one of the issues, right, that was brought up over the weekend is that it hasn't always been as smooth or as transparent as we would like. And I think one of the things with the pandemic, when it first started, if you remember, it's now been almost a year, that, that we thought this was going to be kind of a short-term thing. You know, stay home for a few weeks. <laughs> it's know. all going to get better. Now we're looking at maybe February of 2022. Um <laughs> Yeah, right. And so I think part of that was that you were now trying to build the airplane on the way down, but, but yeah, I think it, I think it's getting better. And, and, um, I know that both governor Cox and Lieutenant governor Henderson have made that one of their very top priorities. And over the weekend, um, governor Cox sent this tweet out and he just said, um, thanks to our partners, especially local health departments, Utah has administered 100% of the first doses we received seven days ago. And we anticipate the same will be true for this week. So I think it also, as we have this conversation in this segment, um, we'll, we'll, we know that there's no big vaccine reserve in D.C. There's no magic pile of vaccines just waiting to come to the state and um, that we're going um, to run out this week.
1: Well, and this is something that is totally crazy to me because it seems like the information that we've been getting out in the public is is not that great. And, and I know, so the, the Tribune had a big article over the weekend. That was uh, that was pretty hard on the state of Utah in their response. And I know that Governor Cox took some issue with some of the details. But I think one point really stands out to me, Holly, and that is that there seems to be a lot of information about these vaccines that is not being shared with the public, is not being shared with the media. So the question is, well, if we don't have the right information. If if the state is not willing to disclose key things, then how can we know whether or not we're doing a good job? We can, I guess, we can measure ourselves against other states. But when we do that, the, I mean, the me- measuring just the raw numbers, we don't actually look that great. And I know we're kind of explaining it away by saying, "Well, but so much of our population is young, blah blah blah." But yeah, sure. But West Virginia's got kids too. So I, I don't know. I just I feel like, and maybe this is something we can bring up with the lieutenant governor is. When is a state going to start sharing some information so we can independently know the job they're doing?
3: Well, I think they have. And I think that's one of the points that Spencer Cox was making yesterday. Um, and I'm sure that the lieutenant governor will reiterate. If you go to, I think it's coronavirus.utah.gov, they've got the details there. And and they have, yep, that's that's the address. Um, gov is G-O-V. But, but they have the, not only they have the fact checking, but they have the details there. They have how many vaccines have been received, how many have been administered, how many second doses, Um Let's see. They have community nursing services, 100% used. They've got Simon pharmacies, and then they have a federal pharmacy partnership, and that's where we see the lowest amount is is just slightly under 50%. Yeah. But again, that is through um, a partnership with the federal government and not under the necessarily the state. Well, review.
1: and they've spent all winter fibbing to us about the vaccine and about the <laughs> the amount of medicine they actually had for people.
3: I. I'm not sure that they have been, actually. I think maybe they just didn't know. And I I think that one of the things that's come up with the pandemic, um, at least responses that we've seen, especially as we've changed administration, um, is that there's been some communication challenges, not only challenges, but just um, where the information needed to go. Like I know the Utah legislature wants to be kept in the loop and they hadn't been being kept in the loop. Well, why was that? Well, I don't know, right? But I know that the new governor is trying to make sure that the, that the legislature is kept in the loop as well. So so there's some stuff right here, right? Um, Utah declines to disclose when vaccines arrive. The response, we've been very clear about the ordering and shipping timelines First doses are placed. The orders for the first doses are placed on Thursdays and second doses are placed on Sundays. Shipments begin arriving Monday and then continue throughout the week. Uh, Spencer Cox. there's plenty of information now.
1: Spencer Cox was on CNN over the weekend talking about this. Um, This is what he had to say about the percent of Utah's vaccine has been administered.
2: We've done 97% now of the vaccine that we have in our control has now been administered. That is, that is more than seven days old.
1: And um, on how many doses have been administered in the last week?
2: We administered 65,000 doses of vaccine. Uh, that's uh, that's we had only done 60,000 in the first four weeks. So we, we more than doubled our capacity just at that time.
1: And uh, ask what Utah has to or what needs to change in order to increase our vaccine distribution. This is what the governor had to say.
2: Well, th- there's only one thing that has to be changed. We just have to get more vaccine. You have enough people in enough places Oh, yeah. Yeah, look, we're doing, we're doing over 60,000 doses a week. That's, that's chewing up the backlog that was stuck in these other places, right? we're only getting 33,000 doses a week. So uh, we're, we're, next week, we will run out of doses on Wednesday. That, that's going to happen every week until we get more. What we need also is more insight into the manufacturing process. Y- you mentioned consistency. It's, it's not just consistency, but is it going to be ramping up? And if so, how fast is it ramping up? If we knew that we were going to go from 33,000 doses a week to say you know, 50,000 doses a week in three weeks, then we could repurpose second doses now as first doses, knowing it would make up for it down the road. Now, somebody has to be able to tell us at some point how the manufacturing process is working and and give us some insight into what that looks like down the road.
1: And I think that's uh, a goal of the Biden administration with the Defense Production Act is to ramp up the vaccine production and ramp up the vaccine distribution.
3: Yeah, I think that's accurate. And I I think the news, some of the more of the news over the weekend was that there just really wasn't a solid full time COVID response team um, in the previous White House administration. And so they're, they're really coming into kind of a mess. And I, one of the things I really appreciate about President Biden is that he one of his very first things was to say, we're going to level with you. We're going to be honest with you. We're going to tell you where we're at. And right now it's a little bit of a mess. Um, but that's, I, hopefully that's going to start, um, solidifying into something more regular yeah. and dependable. But, but look, I can tell you Davis County, and I'm, I'm sure Lieutenant Governor Henderson will, will speak to this as well, but Davis County has a really smooth running operation. Um, people are in and out in just a matter of minutes. They have repurposed some big event center and she can tell us about that, but, but people are be- It's going really smoothly. And in other places, it's just an absolute disaster. So, again, trying to get things um, standardized and ramped up.
1: Okay. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Deirdre Henderson is joining us next after this news, traffic, and weather break. Uh, If you've got a question for Lieutenant Governor, why not not drop us a text? 57500. That's the text line. You all know that. You could probably repeat it in your sleep. I know I do. Mumbling (laughs) in my sleep, (laughs) 57500. Drop us a text if you got a question, specific question for Deirdre Henderson. Well, uh, I've got no problem uh, dropping in a listener question or two in our conversation. We'll have a few minutes with her, so uh, I think that uh, that'll be a good opportunity. So, uh, drop us a line five seven five zero zero if you have got a question for Deirdre Henderson. What else are we going to chat about with Deirdre? Okay, with Partney, I have to say one Lute- thing. Lute- her Lute- name Lute- is Deirdre. Governor.
3: Deirdre. <laughs> It's it yeah it's Deidre and not Deirdre. So in any case, Lieutenant Governor Henderson is going to talk to us about um, visiting the health departments. She visited all thirteen health departments in the state last week, and um, she has this fun story. She is actually an intern in the Lieutenant Governor's office, which means she's her own intern and she gets to open the mail. <laughs>
1: hmm, that's interesting.
3: I don't know. Uh,
1: well, I guess I'll, I'll be interested to hear the backstory.
3: Yeah, it's, a, the, it's a good uh, I open my
1: own mail too. I'm, I'm. I guess maybe I'm my own intern as well. All right, drop us a text five seven five zero zero. You got a news, traffic, and weather break coming up, and then more with live mic. I'm Ethan Millard here with Holly Richardson. We'll see you on the other side.
3: Welcome back to KSL. I'm your guest host Holly Richardson, the editor of Utah Policy, and I am co-hosting today with Ethan Millard. Hi, Ethan.
1: I, I want a title like yours. You're an editor, <laughs> former state legislator. I need a Former title. blogger. I want Lord X. Mom
3: of many. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. yeah. No famous Give mom. Give yourself a title. Yeah. Yep. I'm, not, I'm,
1: not, I'm none of those things. I'm none of the, but I'm happy to, to follow along in the next couple of segments with a special guest.
3: Yeah, our special guest is actually Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson, and um, I wanted to talk to her about her visits last week. She had a chance to go to all 13 health departments in the state, and um, welcome, Senator, uh, not, dang it, I knew I was going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Lieutenant Governor Henderson.
0: Thanks, Holly, and thanks, Ethan. It's it's great to be here, and believe me, I've been called worse names, so it's Okay. <laughs>
3: It's kind of like writing 2020 on your checks. If you remember what those are, I'm old (laughs) enough to remember what a check is, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right. Anyway, um, Lieutenant Governor, thanks for joining us. And I'm wondering if you can give us just an overview of where we are with Utah's distribution. I know there was a little bit of a kerfluffle over the weekend about um, distribution and how many vaccines are getting in arms. and, And you had an opportunity to go visit all 13 health departments.
0: I did. So, uh, you know, Utah received its first doses of of, uh, COVID-19 vaccines back toward the end of December, right before Christmas. And uh, we were getting those out through, um, I say we, but I had nothing to do with it at that point. I wasn't lieutenant governor yet. Um, But but the, the state had been getting those out through, through hospital systems and clinics. Um, when Governor Cox and I were sworn in at the beginning of January, one of the very first things that uh, he decided to do was issue an executive order saying that, that from, from here on out, we are going to be using our local health departments to distribute and administer vaccines uh, primarily instead of hospital systems. Um, because uh, it it just it wasn't working as well as as we had wanted it to um uh, during the first few weeks and um, and that's what health departments do right they they do vaccine they're set up for this they understand this and so I uh, went to visit all thirteen health departments to make sure that they had the resources that they needed to get this done because while they do uh, vaccinate people all day every day that's that's one of the things that they do at health departments and they weren't necessarily ready to do mass vaccinations on the scale that we're seeing right now and so uh, i went and visited all of them and and uh, found out where where you know some troubles were and helped get resources direct resources over to, to mitigate those problems and and to really uh, promote the message that we want, these vaccines in arms within seven days of a health department receiving those vaccines. And I'm happy to report that by uh, Friday evening, we had uh, 100 percent of the vaccines that were in our local health departments had all been put in someone's arm, uh, 100 percent of them uh, by Friday.
1: That's good because they're not doing anyone any good sitting in the freezer. Um, we got no. a question from a listener, and this one really spoke to me because I have a lot of clients in my work that split their time between Salt Lake and St. George a lot. And uh, this person is saying it's their understanding that seniors who split their time between homes in southern Utah and northern Utah will have to return to their home in northern Utah in order to get the vaccine. Is this actually the case? You
0: know, it, no. When we're we're really leaving some of these, Um, administrative decisions up to the local health departments but but honestly um people should be able to go to wherever they're wherever they're living they should be able to go to that health department and and get their vaccine if they're one of the people that are currently eligible to receive vaccine Um, part of the problem from some of these smaller uh or smaller health departments, and uh, including uh, Summit County and, and Wasatch County. I heard the same issues from them last week, last Friday when I visited them, is they just don't have enough vaccine. They don't have enough vaccine for everybody who wants to be vaccinated. But, um, that, you know, you can, you can get on a waiting list. They, they schedule out appointments weeks in advance. It's just going to take some time and some patience. But we're certainly hoping uh, that the health departments, um don't turn eligible people away uh, and and in fact, uh, many of our health departments i've heard don't turn people away at all if if they have an appointment and maybe they live in a different county but they work in 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 the jurisdiction of that health department usually the health departments will go ahead and and vaccinate them and then they work out behind the scenes some sort of a deal to get those doses transferred from the from the health departments that those people actually lived in so there are ways around this i i hope that that's not a serious problem that's happening I'm, i'm just hearing about this today um, and it is something that we'll bring up later uh, in our meetings with our with our local health departments
3: i have um I have a question for you. I know that as you visited these health departments, I'm sure you saw quite a variation in how they were um, working to get the vaccines in arms, as you've said and i I've seen and heard some really good things about Davis county, and I'm wondering if you could just describe a little bit um, to our listeners how that works in Davis county.
0: Well, Davis County has uh, put together a pretty remarkable system. And, and one thing that they told me was this, this plan uh, was not something that they just came up with overnight for, for COVID. This is something that they developed years ago with H1N1. And then, of course, they had to tweak it for, for COVID. Um, but they are in an event center, and they, they have people drive through in cars. Um, and, and actually, um, Wasatch does this as well. And summits also uh, let people drive through in cars. So, so people don't have to actually get out of their cars. And and they go through and they're, they're in and out in just a few minutes, like three to five minutes. And then they have to go, you know, they, they drive out to a little parking area and wait 15 minutes to make sure that they're not having some sort of a reaction. And there are paramedics on hand and there are staff that go around and, and check on people. And they're told to, you know, honk their horns or flash their lights if they're experiencing any troubles. Um, But but it's a pretty slick system and they can really get people in and out quickly. And the beautiful thing about it is um, that, uh, you know, elderly people who have a difficult time maybe getting around um, can just be driven up or drive themselves up and not have to worry about getting out of their car and and walking from a long parking lot into somewhere or, you know, slipping on the ice or anything like that.
1: Uh, That's how I got my flu shot this year was a drive up flu shot. So very cool. Um, uh, Lieutenant Governor. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, we've got some waiting lists, right? We don't literally have enough vaccines right now. The demand is still greater than our supply. Why can't you order more than 33,000 vaccines a week?
0: Well, it's a matter of how many vaccines are being manufactured right now, right? I mean, Utah, Utah has, just like every other state, we're we're allocated um, our vaccine doses each week, week, based on our population of those over the age of 18. And so, um, until more production, until production ramps up and there and there's more supply, um, or more uh, um, companies like Johnson and Johnson or AstraZeneca yeah. get their products online. Um, until then, we we just we just get what we get based on our population. And so we well, well, um, help, we're, help we're me wanting...
1: understand help me understand then, and we don't have to kind of carry this into the next segment. Help me understand then exactly how this works because my understanding is is that Utah places an order but you're telling me that actually we're just given what we get.
0: Right. We, we are given what we get. If we could place an order, we'd, we'd, we'd get a lot more than 33,000 doses a week. We would, we would be getting as much as we could possibly use um, in order to get the people in the state of Utah vaccinated as quickly as possible. But that's not how it's working right now. Um, and, and in fact, tomorrow, I know there are some, um, there's going to be a call between governors of, of, of various, of all the states and the Biden administration to, to kind of nail down some of these uh, new strategies moving forward. But right now, it's really a matter of supply and demand. And demand is far outstripping supply.
1: Yeah, well, and that's that's the case, of course. So, so we don't place a weekly order for vaccines.
0: We we are given a weekly allotment of vaccine, and we determine within our state how those doses are are allocated throughout the state.
1: And how how did we come up with the with the thirty three the number thirty three thousand? Where did that number come from?
0: That comes from our federal, the federal government. That's how much they're giving us.
1: They're the so ones, we take so, that
0: thirty-three thousand. Yes, they', so, and that's based. The CDC is doing it based on population over the age of eighteen.
1: Okay, so the CDC is the one who established that Utah's getting thirty-three thousand vaccines a week. Yes. Okay, and uh, I, we got to take a break. Um, we're going to grab a quick break, Lieutenant Governor. Thanks so much for helping clear all of this up. We really appreciate it, and I know that you're you're being generous with your with your time and. Uh, We really appreciate that. You're going to hang with us for another segment. And we want to hear, uh, this is how Holly teased it out to me. She said that you are not only the lieutenant governor, but you're also the lieutenant governor's intern. So I know we've got that story (laughs) coming our way. Uh, so let's grab a quick break here. don't want to that one. Yeah, that's right. We got a quick break. We come back more with Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson. All right. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Ethan Millen. I've got Holly Richardson here, and we're chatting with Utah's Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Henderson, thanks so much for hanging with us uh, for another segment. I know we've got a whole other thing to talk about, which is very important, which we're going to get to. We were just... Uh, um, uh, Holly and I were just chatting briefly during the break and we thought, well, we may as well tee this up quick and just to kind of lock out the the COVID conversation for right now. So we know that the Biden administration has introduced the defense uh, production act. They're going to really ramp things up. There's some question about the Merck vaccine, but every expectation that we're going to see dramatically increased vaccine production. When do we get to revisit our numbers? Do you have an idea of, of, when the state can, can go back and say, Hey, 33,000 needs to become 133,000.
0: Well, I, I mean, that that's the question, right? We, we want to be able to get more vaccine as soon as possible. And we're actually double checking with the CDC to make sure. And the Solid Tribune made some claims yesterday uh, that we haven't been able to verify. They didn't disclose the numbers that they used, but they said that we're getting fewer doses per per capita than other states. So we've gone back to the CDC to, to double check that and make sure that we're actually getting our fair share But again, this is not necessarily something that we can just demand. Um, This is something that will be allocated based on its availability. And and we're constantly reviewing all of that.
1: Okay, but there's not uh, there's as of yet not as any specific review date or anything where we go back and look at it. You're saying it's a continual process.
0: Yes. And as as we uh, get more information from the new Biden administration, I think that that will become clearer.
1: Yeah. Okay.
3: All right. Thank you so Uh much. I appreciate that conversation, and um, we do know that there are other vaccines in the works or in development. Um, Merck unfortunately has ended their trials um, with the development of two vaccines. They are not effective. so they're gonna um, uh, they're gonna work on medication that might help alleviate symptoms, but they're no longer working on vaccines. so that shrinks the pool of additional vaccines available anyway. So my question to you um lieutenant governor is who's your intern <laughs> well um i i am
0: very uh pleased to announce that i am doing an internship this uh, semester in the lieutenant governor's office oh it's
1: true that's
0: funny
3: <laughs> um can can you just give us a little bit of the backstory on why i think it's super great yeah
0: yeah, you know, look, I I got married young after my my first uh, year at, at BYU after my freshman year. I I paused my uh, classes so that I could work two jobs to help get my husband through physical therapy school. I had five babies in eight years, um, and and always uh, thought that I would be able to go back to school full time once my youngest was in school. And I and I took classes here and there, did independent study and whatnot. Um, but by the time my youngest went to school, I was actually. Um, heavily involved in politics. I ended up working for Congressman Jason Chaffetz for a few years, and then I ran for the Utah Senate myself um, in 2012. So I'd been kind of just piecemealing it uh, for, for many years. And then uh, two years ago, I decided that I, I was tired of piecemealing it. I was just going to go to school full time and try to just get it all done. And, and so that's what I started doing. And of course, things um, things got a little bit tricky for me last year. Um and uh, with a statewide campaign and, and, of course, being a state senator during a pandemic was was much more time consuming than in normal years. Um, but I did I did uh, do quite a bit of schooling last year as well. And um, and I just I just got a few things left and I needed some elective credits. And so here I am doing a an internship, getting some uh, some some elective credit for my history degree at BYU.
3: Cool. That is awesome. What do uh, interns do in your office?
0: Well, my staff told me on the very first day that intern, they have interns open the mail. So um, apparently that's I can expect to be uh, opening, opening some stacks of mail here. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fair, I guess. You know, you gotta do, you got to do the time, right? Uh, yeah. I studied history in school, so it 's good to meet a fellow uh, history major so I, I, I believe in, I believe in things like history as important parts of of education i know I know you want to get a skill in school if you can, but I do think that one of the great things about history is that is uh, or why history is important is because I think the ability to learn is also a skill. And the ability to learn and to read and understand and write well, all these things are skills that you can learn in it with a degree like history. And, and I think those, Absolutely. I think, uh, I think, Lieutenant Governor, we sometimes don't give uh, majors like English and history enough credit.
0: Well, and I, t- I tell uh, you what, I have found um, studying history to be incredibly relevant to my job at hand and even my job as a state senator. So um, I, I, f- I find it to be incredibly relevant and important and useful.
3: Yeah, I think I saw a photo of you on social media this summer with a T-shirt that was relevant <laughs> to history. Do you know yes. the one I'm talking I, about? Uh, yeah, uh, what T-shirt was
1: she talking about? You gotta leave me hanging here. I, I don't follow either of you on social media, so
3: you gotta loop me in. Well, here. that's that is your
0: loss, Ethan. That is your loss entirely. <laughs> yes. um it, my my T-shirt said, "Don't make it." It had a quote, but don't make me repeat myself. Uh, and and the quote was. by history so so maybe made me review myself history yeah Yeah.
3: yep actually i think i I think it's really great and i i really i really love that you are open about returning to school and i'm in the same boat i have gone back to school i went back when i was 49 i'm 56 now and i also took 30 years off to raise a family and um a little longer than you but that's okay and I went back and I got a bachelor's degree and then a master's and now I'm um, a third year PhD student. But but there are a lot of women in Utah especially that I think have paused their education. And, and I think having someone um, in your position being willing to talk about being a student and a mom and the lieutenant governor of the state, which only one person can say that, but <laughs> that, that it's so inspiring for um for women who've considered maybe they should go back, but they think it's too late for them,
0: you know, it, I used to be really kind of embarrassed and ashamed of the fact that I didn't have uh, a, my bachelor's degree that I hadn't finished. And when I went after I was elected to the Senate, it, I kept living in fear that somebody would find out about that. And finally, I realized, you know what i, I am not the only woman or or you know there are yeah. men in the same situation too, but i'm I'm not the only woman who had to cause the things that I wanted to do in order to raise my family, which was something also that I wanted to do, right? That was very important to me. But I'm not the only woman in that situation, and I shouldn't be ashamed of it, and I should be open about it so that, yeah, you know, maybe maybe it might help uh, another another woman in a similar situation feel comfortable going back to school, because it is kind of intimidating, and it is, it is a little bit, uh, it, it is easy to, to just succumb to the idea that, well, it's too late, and, and what does it matter now, and why should I do that? And so, so I've decided yeah. to be very open about it. And, and actually, I I posted something on Twitter last week, and it has been really incredible to read some of the comments. You don't always get good comments on social media; sometimes they're pretty awful. But but it was really really fun for me to go through and read um, the the people who commented saying, you know what, me too. I finished my degree at at, at age, you know, forty three. Or you know, this is just the nudge I need to to get me back into school. There were a lot of really positive comments and and a lot of women actually really validating me and how how uh, difficult it has been and how long of a journey it has been for me to finally finish what i started so many years ago
3: yeah yeah i really think it's great Go I think it's one of the go things, ahead. too, during the pandemic that that we're talking about um, retraining and whether you're a man or a woman and you're talking about having to pivot because of COVID related employment issues. I mean, I think it's, a, again, additional um, inspiration for people to say, you know what, age does not matter. You can go uh, learn at any time. It's good for us to learn new things. And um yeah, I just want to say, I really appreciate your example at the top. Thank you.
1: Well, we've got to wrap it up here. And uh, just as we've been chatting, I had and we don't have time to go back to the covid uh, question, but I did want to pass on a listener comment. They texted this in and I thought it was very relevant. I know you guys are holding kind of continuing continual meetings on this with the governor and the rest of your staff and and other departments in the state. But this person points out the vaccines are being primarily scheduled online. But in Utah, we have just like everywhere else, a real problem with the digital divide, especially among. um non-white populations populations of color and the elderly and so just to put that in your head I just wanted to pass on that thought uh, from a listener that hopefully we've got some options to make sure that the digital divide doesn't also add to what already is a, a difficult health crisis
0: We absolutely are on that.
1: But thank you. Uh, So uh, passing that along, uh, Utah's Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate uh, your generous time today. We've got to go to news, traffic and weather right now. And then we're back with more on Live Mike.
0: A gun in the face.
1: Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought I'm going to die today.
3: Started two years of horror
0: for an American in Venezuela.